0: Bodies by the Numbers is a horror podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to Bodies by the Numbers, a horror podcast where we keep track of how we die in horror media, I'm your host, Andrew Mack, and this is my co-host. Oh, Grace Lee. Today, we're covering Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, based in 1980 by Stanley Kubrick, as stated, written by Stanley Kubrick, Diana Johnson, and Stephen King, even though he hates this movie.
1: He hates this movie?
0: Yes. Why
1: does he hate this movie?
0: I guess I'll start with my feelings check.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You do your feelings check first.
0: So... Stephen King hates this movie because it is horribly inaccurate to the book. Dick Holleran does not die. Jack does not start off hating his wife, his family, anything. He starts as a kind, nice guy with a very traumatic past. Really? Danny does not speak with Tony like he does in the book. In fact, Tony is this figure that's always off in the distance Warning Danny, giving him signs. Red rum is brought so much earlier into the book than in the movie. And Wendy is not a hysterical mess in the books like she is in the movie. So watching the movie now with the information I have from reading the book pretty recently for my first time. It's hard not to see the major differences that Kubrick has done compared to Stephen King. I'm going to kind of chime in at a lot of moments where it gets super different from the textual Stephen King book to what Stanley Kubrick made. Like, there are character choices from Dick Holleran to the Overlook Hotel itself that is in the book compared to be a wasp's nest. They keep on comparing the Overlook Hotel to Dormant's wasp. Nest Mm. and watching the movie, it makes sense why that comparison is made. Yeah, and I got a lot to say, honestly.
1: All right, I mean, maybe more than me because again, I've never read any of Stephen King's books. I, the only movies I've ever seen that are based on books from Stephen King, I've seen with you. I think that's like Carrie and this, right?
0: Yes, so far it's Carrie and the Shining. Yeah, and I'm not sure if we have any other Stephen King movies this year we're probably gonna throw a few in next year though
1: oh probably i bet
0: and how about your feelings
1: i mean brutally, this movie scared the shit out of me i mean we were talking about I was like oh what well, would you rate this and i was like well i don't think i'll ever want to see this movie again because again scared the shit out of me but i was like i mean it was a good movie though like i thought it was really well shot I thought the actors all did a great job and Jesus fucking Christ the soundtrack. <laughs> I hate it.
0: It was so funny. So much. We're watching like the first few shots of the movie and Grace is like, "Oh, it's a very pretty soundtrack." And then the string course starts to come in, and Grace is like, "Never mind, <laughs> Never mind. I hate this movie. <laughs> I
1: hate it already. I hate it already so much. I want to go back."
0: <laughs> so let's go into the plot summary.
1: All right, so plot summary-wise, again, like um, the first shot of this movie is you're seeing this like cute little like yellow bug driving up this like mountain. It's beautiful, picturesque, scenic, and at first you kind of get this like idyllic little like classical melody. And then the title card starts to scroll and you start getting some like... And then the music takes a turn for the worse. And again, it's just same little yellow bug, bright, colorful, kind of like fall leaves, colors. And then that music sets in and you you know shit's going to go down in this movie. You know shit's going to get fucked. But anyway, as we're going through, we see this honestly beautiful hotel like on this like mountaintop and you see what we now know is jack wander into this pretty again idyllic hotel there's you know people bustling around there's like you know you know employees guests and you know he walks up to the um Oh god what is it When you have the, like The person there Who's standing there is like Oh how, can I check your bag Or something like that The
0: receptionist
1: Thank you Goes up to like The receptionist And is like hey Introducing himself As Jack Torrance Torrance, Torrance. Sorry Jack Torrance And is like I'm ha- here to see Like the owner Of the hotel they, They're they like Yep just walk Into this room He walks in He sits down With the owner Bowman. Ullman? Um, Ullman is the honor? Yeah,
0: what's interesting about the movie version of Ullman is he's very much less antagonistic.
1: Oh, he's delightful!
0: In the book, he's an absolute jackass.
1: Really? He
0: knows about Jack's alcoholic past because Jack's friend recommended Jack to get this job at the Overlook Hotel. They both used to be alcoholics, and I'm going to shine a little light into Jack's past the two of them only got sober, not because Jack hit Danny, but because they hit a kid on his bike and just couldn't find the body.
1: Jesus fucking Christ. Well, in the movie, Olman is the owner's name. He's delightful. He sits Jack down, starts chatting to him like, oh, yeah, like my people in Denver send over your resume. And it's never like a friend. Like, I guess it is in the books. It's always, oh, you uh, apparently, from what it sounds like to me, Jack- was recruited by the office in Denver um where he talked to them like saw like a hiring sign um they went through his resume were like oh no, this looks like the guy for the job sent his resume up he drives up here and Ann Ullman's nice pleasant I think he gets I'm not sure like his second in command of some sort walks him in and is like hey so just want to let you know um I can't remember what the dates are it's like October thirty first
0: They close on the 30th of October and don't open up back until May, I believe.
1: Yeah, I think it's May 1st is the date. So he's just like, yeah, so for these months we're closed. And Jack's like, why are you closing? I mean, this looks like a great, like, skiing spot. And he's like, oh, well, yeah, the one road that goes up to the hotel gets fucking snowed in during the winter. To keep that road open and clear for guests and, like, all the deliveries and supplies run we would need would just be way too fucking money. So just be way too much fucking money. So we just close it during the winter. And I was like, yeah, it seems like a, a smart idea. And that's why Jack has been hired, is that during, like, the winters, of course, they're way up in the mountains in Colorado, so you get heavy storms and snowstorms. So you need someone there to keep checking the powers, make sure like the water lines don't freeze all the way through, making sure if there's like a broken window that it can be repaired right away, just so that there's someone watching to make sure that, hey, if that window does get broken in, the storm won't get in, start fucking with the expensive furniture or the carpeting or blah, blah, blah. He's
0: very much hired to... I believe even Ullman in the movies says himself, protect the hotel from the elements as they come.
1: Yeah, exactly. He, he's hired in as like a handyman, right? And he's like, and the thing is, is that, so, you know, like there are these three guys are just talking in the office. And I, I can't remember who mentions it, but maybe it might be as olman is like, yeah, it seems like a little bit of a drift from your job as like a school teacher, right? And it looks like Jack resents that title. He's like, nope, I'm not a school teacher, I was uh, I only worked that job to make ends meet. I'm a writer. And I was like, well, that's a little fucking pretentious. Also, what do you have against fucking school teachers, you asshole?
0: Well, it's because Jack was fired from being a school teacher for assaulting a student.
1: Oh, Jesus fucking Christ.
0: Yeah, the <sighs> he was the leader of, I believe it was some sort of debate team or public yeah. speaking team. Yeah. And he let go of one of his students because he had a stutter. Yeah. The student, however, insisted, I do not have a stutter and fought Jack on this. Yeah. To the point where Jack just sent him out of the room. Like, I'm sorry, you just, you're not going to make the team. Yeah. And he caught the student knifing the tires of his car, giving him flats and Jack just lost it and started beating the crap out of the student.
1: How old is that kid? Like are we talking like high, high school? school? Okay. So, I mean, a little less fucked up, but still you don't beat a kid like
0: And again, just to reiterate, Ullman knows about him assaulting the student. He knows about him being an alcoholic. He does not know about the bike incident that I mentioned. That's just Al, his friend.
1: All right. Well, I mean, again, in the movie, it looks like Ullman just read a resume, thought he liked it, and was like, yeah, you seem seem, uh, just a regular old dude. Like, yeah, you know, you'll just be, like, isolated for these like, what was it, like, five months? Yeah. Five months, you and your family will just be here. He even seems, like, a little hesitant, like, yeah, like, you know, like, you'll be just be alone a lot of the time. And he's like, oh, I am a writer, I actually, like, need this time alone. I'll love it. It'll be great. And the dude goes, what about your, like, uh, wife and kid? And he's like, oh, no, they will love it, too. Yeah, who gives a shit about that?
0: Well, even at this point, Ullman says that his predecessor hired um. a guy named Grady who got cabin fever and murdered yeah. his family.
1: Yeah, no. He actually, he, like, brings it up. It's like, hey, um, before I can hire you for this job, I do need to let you know because, like, I feel like people should know this before they take the job. And we have had people, like, who are, like, hear that story and are like, I don't want to work here anymore for the that kind of, like, handyman job. And he does tell them that there was, like, a Mr. Grady, his wife, and his two girls did the same job that Jack has been hired to do. They were supposed to stay at the hotel over the five-month period. A couple months in... He kills his two girls, and then he kills his wife. He puts them in a room at the, like, the opposite end of the hotel, goes to the other end, and uh, blows his brains out with a shotgun.
0: Now, it's interesting, again, there's so many differences between the book and movie, it's hard for me not to point out in this scene alone how many differences there are, because in the movie, it was his predecessor. In the book, it was him... And Grady was also an ex alcoholic. And that's why he had such resentment for hiring Jack. He's seen this look before. He knows this type of guy.
1: Oh, so that's why in the book he didn't want to hire this guy. Because he was like, no, we've already hired, hired a guy who looks exactly like this. Because in the movie, he goes, yeah, Mr. Grady seemed like such a reasonable, ordinary man, just like you. Like, again, in the movie, he seemed to have no real like hatred for Grady, just like that kind of like, oh fuck, this shit happened. He just kind of had a mental breakdown and went crazy. Nothing related to like the alcoholism at all or anything like that. But um again, we know the end game. Jack is like, No no no, no I can I'll take the job, like this sounds great and they're like, Yeah, you sure your wife is okay with this? And Jack's like, Nah, she's a horror fanatic, she'll love
0: it. He gets a tour of the hotel.
1: Little tour of the hotel, and um, we
0: get Cut to Wendy, Wendy and Danny.
1: Yeah, Wendy and Danny. They're kind of just like, you know, uh, I th- I remember Wendy is like reading a book. They're both eating like little sandwiches. And Wendy and Danny are just kind of talking about their time at the hotel. Like they're like, yeah, no. What do you think about staying up at the hotel? Danny's like, I don't want to go. And Wendy's like, oh, why do you want to go? We'll have a wonderful time. And Danny's like, well, Tony doesn't want to go. And then uh, we find out about Tony because like, Danny just, like, picks his hand up and just moves his, like, index finger, like a little puppet. And he yeah. speaks for Tony. Tony says he doesn't want to go to the hotel, so Danny doesn't want to go to the hotel.
0: I find it interesting, like, they they do know about Tony in the book, but Tony never interacts with the family in the yeah. book. So it's really interesting. I actually like this change, personally. Yeah. To having Tony become a more vocal part of Danny's concern.
1: Yeah, and also the thing is, is that Tony talks to Wendy. I believe Tony calls her either Wendy, because the thing is that Danny calls Wendy mom. Tony calls Wendy either Wendy or Miss Mrs. Torrent. Torrents, sorry. And so Tony says to Mrs. Wendy that, you know, Tony doesn't want to go. You know, I there's kind of like another little like cutscene where We see that there's the phone ringing. Wendy goes to answer the phone. She picks up. It's Jack on the other line telling her that he got the job.
0: Well, before this happens, even, Danny splits from his mom, goes to the bathroom, and Tony's telling him that Jack's about to call, tell Wendy that he got the job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: obviously, Tony is... A psychic force, as most of us probably know by this point, because it is a cult classic for a reason.
1: Yeah, no, like, yeah, no, they're, like, in the bathroom, Tony and Danny are just talking to each other, and yeah, and Tony does go, like, like, Wendy will be picking up the phone soon, or, like, Mrs. Torrance will be picking up the phone soon, um, and that Jack or Mr. Torrance will be calling and saying that he has a job. And Danny keeps trying to go like, oh, Tony, tell me why you don't want to go. And Tony's like, I don't want to tell you. Tony's like, no, tell me. And then eventually he's like, Tony just kind of, I guess, goes silent or at least doesn't respond or Danny doesn't really respond back. All we see is that Danny kind of just stares into the mirror and then he has this, I'm going to describe it as a vision because that's clearly what it is. He pictures... These doors in this corridor, and then this flood of—I mean, I think it's wine. It—it—it's it, both. I think it's meant to be blood. It looks more like wine to me, but this just this torrent of like red liquid that just floods this entire corridor. And they also gets this very brief snapshot of these twins, these like little two girls in blue dresses. And again, we just heard about, you know, the the last caretaker who killed his two little girls. So, and then we kind of go from there to like this black. And then we cut to Danny um, in his bedroom with this doctor, you know, she's leaning over him. She's checking his eyes, like his reflexes, and she's trying to figure out what happened. She's like, hey, so you were in the bathroom brushing your teeth. What happened before that? What happened after that? And Tony's kind of just giving, like, vague answers, like, oh, sorry, Danny. Danny's giving vague answers against, like, oh, I don't remember what I was doing, I was just brushing my teeth, and then all I remember after is, like, my mom over me, like, you know, shaking me, like, you know, wake up, wake up. And then eventually the doctor goes to, um, was there, like, you know, were you talking to anyone, anyone, I think? And Danny was like, oh, well, I was talking to Tony. And the doctor's like, who's Tony? And Danny goes, Tony is the little boy who lives in my mouth. And the doctor goes, can I see Tony? And Danny goes, no, he hides in my stomach. And I'm like, that's a little odd, but, you know, you you do you, kid. Eventually, the doctor's like, okay, you know what? Um, Just stay in bed for the rest of the day. Get some shut eyes. She walks into another room with Miss Wendy. And she's like, well, who's Tony? And Wendy's like, oh, you know, Tony's just his imaginary friend. And then I think the doctor asks, well, like, I mean, does he have any, like, friends at school? She's clearly trying to, like, ask, like, the few regular, like, psychological questions. Like, does he have friends? Is this why he has, like, such a strong connection to his imaginary friend? And then Wendy... Tells her that he hasn't been at school for a while.
0: In the defense, it is kind of skipped over in this scene. But they had just moved from the school district. Jack was working in.
1: Oh yeah, they just moved to this new house or apartment. Yeah, Wendy tells the doctor he was out of school for a bit. Of course, the doctor goes, "Why was he out of school?" And Wendy goes, "Oh, it's just it was an accident." It's very important that she says this. It was just an accident. It's just one of those things that happens. It was just an accident. He dislocated his shoulder. and The doctor's like, how did he dislocate, you know, a kid's shoulder? And like, I expect the answer. Like, he was like on the swings. He was falling off a playset. Like, I know I've done dangerous things as a kid. I could have totally dislocated my shoulder. But what she says again that she keeps pressing is, it was an accident. It's just one of those things that happens sometimes. She talks about how Jack... Got drunk, came home, saw papers scattered all across the floor, and that he grabbed Danny so hard that it dislocated Danny's shoulder. I I don't say I don't spend that much time around kids, but I think you gotta exert some pretty serious force if you're dislocating someone's arm.
0: Well, Jack is a very angry man in both the book and the movie. I feel like his character gets really cheated out in the movie honestly because in again i i have to bring up the book because like jack his father was an alcoholic who abused (laughs) him and his brother the same way he became somewhat abusive to danny not to the same extent at all no i mean jack watched his father beat his mother's basin with a cane.
1: Jesus.
0: Yeah. So there, there's probably a lot of trauma in Jack that's unsolved.
1: Yeah, I could, I could imagine. Wendy does go on to mention though, that as fucked up as it is, she almost calls it a small silver lining. And she seems proud that she says that Jack told me that he wouldn't touch the bottle again, that he wouldn't have any other alcohol. And that if he did, that she could leave him, that he was giving her like full reign to divorce him, leave him if he started drinking again. And just the way she makes it sound like, I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty fucked up. And it makes it seem like yeah that he had done this type of stuff before. Maybe not dislocated his kid's arm, but that he had definitely come home drunk before, that he definitely had some sort of issue with alcoholism. Yeah, but anyway, kind of after that whole scenario, where the doctor's like, yeah, no, Danny should be chill, he should be okay. And, you know, we're getting some real weird vibes from, you know, the family now is that they, of course, go up to the hotel. They all walk in, of course. um,
0: It's the last day of the hotel being open. Yeah. So you see guests checking out, you see the staff kind of hurriedly trying to do their job. Oh, yeah,
1: no. Like, even I think even the owner um, was like, yeah, no, this is the last day that we're open. Everybody wants to go home as soon as they can, so they're trying to get all of their shit done as soon as they can. And I just gotta say... Is that at least in comparison to her husband, Wendy always dresses so colorfully. She's always in like yellows, blues, reds, and Jack's always kind of in these muted browns. No, she goes full out for the color. I think all of her outfits look pretty great. Anyway, so they're they walk into the hotel. Of course Wendy's like, Oh, this is a beautiful hotel, it looks incredible, it's gorgeous. They're remarking like, you know, the paintings on the walls or the windows and the owner's just walking him through and being like, yeah, this is like, this is an incredible hotel. It's been open for this long. We've had like presidents stay here. We've had movie stars stay here. We've had all these important stay, you know, people stay here. They're walking around. I think they walk into the kitchen. As they're walking into the kitchen, I remember there's this little snapshot of Danny in like the playroom you know where they have like a pool table and darts I don't think a kid that young should be playing with like those kind of darts but I mean what do I know I'm not a parent
0: if he gets her he gets her yeah
1: he gets her he's you know he stabs an eye out he stabs an eye out and we get a little uh, a flash of those little girls that Tony showed Danny the little like two little girls
0: And um, it's not so much a flash as they are visibly standing in the same room
1: yeah like he turns around they're there and then we kind of he turns around again and i think they're gone or something like that and anyway the family eventually kind of reconverges in the kitchens where we see um our resident hero dick
0: dick Holloran.
1: dick Holloran. I lo- i love this guy Um, He comes in, he's the chef, he's like the chef of the whole place, and he's there to show Wendy, like, where the storerooms are. He takes her to, like, the freezer where they have all the meat, then he takes her to, like, the room where they have all the dry canned goods. And Wendy notices that Dick is calling Danny Doc, and she's like, oh, how did, why are you calling him Doc? I mean, we and my husband call him Doc, but... That's not a very common nickname. And he's just like, oh, I thought I just overheard you. And she's like, well, I guess. And we do also get this scene where Danny's looking at Mr. Halloran. And
0: he's clearly talking to Wendy, telling her all the things that are in the dry pantry. Yeah. yeah. And he looks Danny dead in the eyes, still talking to Wendy and asks him through telepathic speech. Yeah. Would you like some ice cream? Yeah. Or is something along those lines? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll go get ice cream after this kid. Something like that. And we're, you know, at least I was like, what the fuck is going on? There are psychics now in this hotel? Wendy and Dick Hollerant go out and uh, they're with, you know, little Danny. And the dad and the mom, Wendy and Jack, they're taken down to the boiler room to show it how it works. You know, what to turn on, what to turn off. Mr. Hollerant takes Danny, grabs some ice cream with him, and tells him that there are psychics just wandering about. apparently. He tells him that him and his grandmother used to talk to each other with no spoken words, and um, that his grandmother used to call it people who have a shine or a shining, a.k.a. roll, roll the title card.
0: One important thing that I feel like is left out of this is Dick Halloran does tell Danny quite a bit about The Shining in both the movie and the book. But he says in more specifically the book, everyone has a little bit of The Shine. Yeah. Whether they know it or not. That's how like sometimes you'll come home with flowers when your partner's sad. Yeah. Or you'll just happen to make someone's favorite food that specific day. They're really wanting it. Yeah. So The Shining is kind of this... Blanket term for telepathic power. Yeah, that Stephen King is a huge fan of just psychics in his work. I mean, look at Carrie, that's true. Yeah, Rose Red. And as much as I love Stephen King, I hate how he always has a. So, uh, I did tell you about the term the magic black, right?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And Stephen King's really bad about doing that in his early work. He does fix it later on in his work. I'm really actually happy with him as a writer because I feel like he's always trying to evolve who he is as both a person and a writer. And that's just good to see when you got an ally that might not always be aware that he's doing the wrong thing, but eventually gets the point of, oops,
1: like, oh, this is kind of racist. And I was like, no, yeah, it, it kind of is. Back to the man plotline. Um, Hallrant is just telling, you know, kind of Danny about, like, the gifts that they share and what other people share. And then Danny's like, Mr. Horrent, are you scared of the hotel? And, you know, Mr. Hallrant goes, no, 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 I'm not scared of the hotel. And Danny's like, are you sure? And then, like, and then you kind of... It feels to me like that he's like kind of holding back a little bit, maybe because he's a kid. But he's like okay, houses and things they can also get this kind of shine to them, right? The this hotel has a bit of that shine, and then he goes on to say that um, sometimes people and events can leave traces of themselves. Like how, you know, if you, you burnt toast in a room, you'll be able to smell it, you know, for days afterwards. And then this hotel might have some of that. And then Danny brings up room 237. And Mr. Halloran's like, you don't, don't go to that hotel, all right? You, you do not want to go into that hotel, like that, that room. You What's, stay out of that room.
0: The only thing that confuses me about 237 is, I believe in the book, it's like 217. I wonder why that room change was necessary but still the same set of type of numbers.
1: I have no idea. All I know is that Danny's like, you're not scared of the hotel? And he's like, no! And he's like, are you scared of room 237? And he's like, yeah, I kind of am. Don't go into that room, kid. And after that, that, like, that stern warning, and I'm like, well, if, yeah, I feel like maybe you should just like close off that room. It's, it's so fucked up. Eventually, of course, um, you know, the... Families escorted to, like, their lodgings and stuff like that. Like, the the suite where they'll be, like, living for the next five months. We get that, like, a little, like, kind of black screen and it says one month, right? Like, one month later. So, at least one month in, it looks... Pretty idyllic. We see Danny in his little like tricycle, like going around the uh, hotel. We see that Wendy has made breakfast and she walks it up to the room. She walks it up to Jack, and Jack you know was, just has slept in that morning. And we do kind of get a little weird scene with him in a mirror where he's like sticking out his tongue and looking at himself in the reflection. Uh, but he tells her, you know, that he's a lot of writing to get done, a lot of work to do. And she's like, okay. And she goes down and she like, you know, plays with Dan a little bit. We also see Jack kind of being a little reckless. He has this like little like ball, like this tennis ball that he's just like chucking towards the wall. And I thought he was going to hit something like a chandelier or one of those weird like bison like stuffed animal heads. But, you know, nothing like, you know, too odd has happened yet. And then we kind of, and then we start to go down to days. I think the first day we get a look at is Tuesday.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, you yeah,
1: know, harmless, little, good little old Tuesday. And it's like, when I saw Tuesday pop up, I'm like, okay, I think we're going by days now. I think shit might be starting to hit the fan just a little bit. And it's just like, Danny um, is, you know, like on his little tricycle again, going around, and he sees room... and he walks up and I'm like, don't do it, Danny. Don't do it. He does it. it. But luckily the doors are locked. He gets back in. He starts going around. I don't think anything else happens that day of note. I think it's Thursday. I think it's Thursday that Jack is just an absolute asshole to Wendy. Like We've gotten, at least in the movie, Okay, just at least in the movies, we've gotten hints of it before where he's Just kind of really dismissive of her and what she does. But anyway, um, she walks downstairs. uh, Or not, sorry, not downstairs. She's cooking. She's making food. She's making, like, dinner, I think. She sees... She has like a little television set up, you know, doing the weather there, you know, on the television, it says, oh, there's a blizzard coming in. So she, you know, walks out of the kitchen, walks into the um, like main hall, like the the main hall of the hotel where Danny is like taking up space on this large table and chair where he has his typewriter out and he's like, you know, tap, tapping away. You
0: mean Jack, not Danny.
1: Oh, God damn it. Fuck. Yeah. Danny. I mean, I wish now, but Jack, Jack jack god damn it jack is type typing away god damn it i'll i'll get these names straight eventually jack g-a-c-k is on the typewriter typing away and you know wendy walks in she kind of like you know just kind of like leans up against the table and is like hey um uh, like a blizzard's coming in and jack just looks at her and is like what do you want me to do about it and i'm like well that's She's just telling her the Blizzard's going to be set again. That's all. And then she's like, oh, um, well, I'm making dinner. And he's like, I'm busy. And she's like, well, do you want me to bring you up maybe some sandwiches later? And I can, like, read over some of your work. Just, like, a nice thing to do. Like, you know, like, oh, hey. Like, I see you've been working hard. Do you want me to, like, come in, spend time with you?
0: Let me be your supportive wife.
1: Exactly. And Jack just fucking rips her apart. He's like... Don't bother me. You're breaking my concentration. He takes one of the papers that he's currently typing on. He rips it up in front of her and says that he she's disrupting him, that he's messing with his work, and that when he is type-typing on his big, big boy keyboard, that she cannot enter the main hall of the hotel.
0: Yeah, this yeah. guy picks the biggest room to work in and gets mad when his wife comes to check in on him. In the biggest room in the hotel.
1: Yeah, like, don't come in here. Also, he says, new rule, you can't do this. And I'm like, how many rules are there? And I was like, ah, God, what an asshole. And then I think we cut to Monday, I think it is. Monday's the next day. We see, you know, just Danny and Wendy, like, having fun outside, throwing snowballs. They see, like, the hedge maze. They, walk, you know, they wander in to have some fun, uh, remarking how beautiful it is and how beautiful. And like, you know, it's White Winter Wonderland. Wendy
0: and, is truly awestruck at the beauty of the location yeah. throughout a lot of this movie.
1: Yeah, she's like, oh, it's gorgeous here. She loves the colors, all the pink and the gold. As they're having a great time, we just kind of see Jack back in the hotel, throwing that ball. He sees like this little um diorama of the maze and god he's just kind of like staring out into the distance it deeply unnerves me
0: also wonderful transition from going from maze to like the display of the maze to the actual maze oh
1: yeah no that was really well done and i think and it's like we're starting to catch on jack is clearly starting to lose his marbles Like, he's supposed to be working, but he's just wandering around. Kind of just this kind of tense energy is kind of just coiled up in him. And he just keeps staring into nothing. And, I mean, of course, we know Danny has never wanted to come to this hotel. He keeps seeing those little girls around. He keeps having visions of that kind of, like, bloody hallway. But for the most part, he seems at least okay. And Wendy seems to have a grand time. She is... I mean, her, her husband's an asshole, but besides that, she seems to be doing okay.
0: I feel like she's completely unaware of everything that's going on.
1: Yeah, like she isn't getting the same vibes that like, she can't hear the soundtrack is what I'm saying. <laughs> like Jack can hear the soundtrack, Danny can hear the soundtrack, Wendy is not picking up on the soundtrack. And God, there's this one kind of night where you can clearly see the blizzard has like set in and it's truly snowed them in. Wendy is trying to make like, I think a phone call trying to radio someone. Um, No, she's trying to use the the phone service. That isn't working. So she walks to the radio and she radios the friendly ranger station at the bottom of the mountain. Like, hey, I just want to let you know that like the phones are down up here. And the ranger's like, yeah, that happens pretty much every year. They probably won't. We probably won't get like a repair truck in until like, you know, um, May. Wendy's like, okay, I'll keep like the radio going in case of an emergency. And then you kind of cut to kind of, you know, like Wendy's like on the couch. Danny's kind of just like, you know, on the rug. They're both watching TV. Danny's playing with like some toys. And Danny asks if he can go grab the fire truck from his room upstairs. And Wendy's like, well, I mean, her dad's supposed to be taking a nap. I don't think you should go bother him. And Danny's like, I just really want that fire truck. And Wendy's like, okay, but be like really, really quiet. So Danny goes up to his room. Walks in, and you just see Jack sitting on the bed, staring at nothing, questioning everything. Uh, Danny walks up. Danny does not walk up. Danny kind of just stands there. Jack looks over. Danny is like, "I'm just coming to get my fire truck," and Jack beckons Danny over, like, "Come here, come here, kid, come here." Danny walks up, and you know, kind of. Jack picks up Danny, puts Danny on his lap, and is like, "You know, I love you, right, kid?" And then and, and Danny's like, yeah, 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 and And Jack's like, do you like it here at the hotel? And Danny's like, yeah, I like it at the hotel. and
0: Danny starts asking his own questions, oh, too. Oh, yeah. I believe the one that really sets off Jack is, will you ever hurt Mommy and I?
1: Oh, yeah. And Jack's response is like, did your mom tell you that? Like, has your mom been talking to you about that? And it's like, Jack has already heard Danny. So it's not too far fetched, right? But Jack is like Jack phrases it as if it is if as if it's Wendy's putting ideas in Danny's head. And then I remember I was sitting here on the couch talking to you while the movie's playing. And I'm like, ooh, it'd be really messed up if, uh, you know, Jack asked Danny if he could stay in the hotel with him forever. And that's exactly <laughs> what Jack does. Jack tells Danny how much he loves the hotel and how they could just stay here forever and ever. And I'm and like, ever. And ever. And I was like, oh, oh, I don't like that.
0: I really Ugh. love watching horror movies with you because, uh, like. You will call something, and I will get so pissed off at you, I'm not gonna lie, because it's like, that's supposed to surprise and scare you, Grace. How dare you make such an accurate call?
1: Well, I mean, I'm like, what's the creepiest thing that could happen in this situation? stay here forever and ever Danny forever and ever I love it here Danny I'm like yeah no that's the creepiest that can happen and then it's like oh he did say that um anyway I guess Danny goes back downstairs to like leave Jack to his staring into the void god yeah and then I can't remember what day we we cut to after this I can't remember what day. I think the
0: bathtub incident happens next.
1: Yeah, I can't remember. There was like, okay, I think it's Monday. I think it's like Wednesday or something like that after. Does not matter. We cut to Wendy doing Jack's job, pretty much. Because I really don't believe that Jack has been doing like his job. He seems to be just wandering the hotel and writing something. Well,
0: Okay, so in the book, Jack is doing the job. Oh! He spends the majority of his time in the boiler room reading papers about the Overlook's shady past. Really? Yeah, because it's supposed to be more of a junk room than this pristine, pretty boiler room that we get in the movie. Yeah. So I find it interesting because the more he reads about the Overlook's shady past, the more he starts in the book... Getting his alcoholic tendencies back. Oh. Like, he starts rubbing his lips to the point where they bleed. And that's something he would do when he was a drunk. He would start just exhibiting more of these signs to where Wendy in the book literally thought Jack was drunk again. Oh. And this is why she doesn't trust him. Because, were you getting your alcohol, Jack? But there's no smell of alcohol coming off of yeah. you. So... I wonder why there was such a major change because Jack went from writing this play he was going to produce when he was a teacher and didn't have the time because he was teaching to writing a expose piece on the overlooked shady past just to get at Ullman, that fucker.
1: Yeah. I mean, but that's not touched on at the movie at all. We have honestly no idea what Jack is writing. He just seems to be working on something. And again, Jackie just seems to be wandering the hotel or writing. It seems Wendy is the one making meals. And the, from this scene, Wendy, who's checking like the boiler room and stuff like that. So she's just down there checking the boiler room. And she hears screaming, right? And then we get a very... Cut to poor, poor Danny, who is goddamn on his little tricycle again, going down that same hallway. And look, the room 237 is open.
0: With the key in the door.
1: Yeah. So he walks in and then we cut back to Wendy, who's running like, because she hears Jack screaming, right? She hears Jack screaming. So she she's bursting up the stairs, running into that main hall. And we just see Jack kind of, like, passed out at his desk, screaming. She runs over, and honestly, this is the only moment of the movie where I actually feel genuine, like, empathy or pity for Jack. Because when she's shaking him awake, and he wakes up, he seems distraught. He is still crying. He is sobbing. He seems horrified. Like, properly horrified.
0: I feel like this is the last human moment of Jack we get in the movie.
1: Yeah, no, because... Like, he's freaking out. He's saying that he just had his the worst nightmare that he've, uh, he's ever had. And, of course, Wendy's, like, trying to come console him, like, rubbing a hand on his back. And then Jack tells her that he just dreamed about chopping her and Danny up into little, little pieces. And Wendy's clearly a little horrified. And then she looks up and sees she sees... Danny kind of stagger into that main hall. Sucking his thumb. Oh yeah, sucking his thumb. And she sees, okay, there's like a good amount of distance. So at first she's trying to be like, Hey, Danny, uh, your dad isn't feeling well. You should walk upstairs. Trying to just like, you know, make sure the kid doesn't realize that his dad is having a breakdown. But he isn't listening. He's just walking closer and closer. So she's like, shit, I don't want like the kid to see. So So she runs over to him and she notices that his sweater... And his collar has been ripped open. Like, ripped open. And there are, from what I can see, clear, like, hand-like bruises on his neck. And he is pretty dissociated by that point in time. So she leans down and she's like, oh my god, what happened? And then, okay.
0: One plus one equals
1: two. Yeah, like, what? Jack just supposedly woke up from a nightmare screaming about him killing his wife and kid. And Danny comes in with bruises and there's supposed to be no one else at the hotel. And again, they've been there for a month. She would have seen someone if someone else had lived there. So, and again, she isn't hearing the soundtrack. So she hasn't been seeing the little girls or been kind of just spooked as much as like Jack has. So she says Jack probably hit Danny and she, she, calls Jack a son of a bitch and then she takes him upstairs. The
0: only thing I'm upset about the change is um, later on, while they're still fighting about yeah. who choked Danny, Danny says she did it. And Jack takes that as a aha moment. Fuck yeah. you, bitch moment. Yeah. It wasn't me. Yeah. So he was supposed to discover there. Yeah. But because, you know, Kubrick changed everything about this movie, Yeah, he doesn't figure out till later.
1: Yeah, no. Because at that moment in time, Wendy takes Danny upstairs, and Jack's kind of just wandering the hallways, like, screaming, yelling, gesturing, you know, he's pissed. Because for him, he's been wrongly accused of, like, hitting his kid, and he wanders into the main ballroom.
0: The gold room.
1: The gold room, where... There was clearly, when, like, they were being escorted through the hotel, where there was a clear bar. Of course, all but the alcohol is gone.
0: For insurance purposes.
1: Yeah. And also, you probably don't want to keep that much just, like, really expensive alcohol just lying around. You know, Jack walks up to the bar, sits down, and... Oh, God, what did he call it?
0: I'd sell my soul for a drink right now.
1: Oh, yeah. He sells soul for, like, a bottle of beer. And then he says... Wow, looks empty tonight, doesn't it? And he looks up, and there's this creepy fucking looking bartender. He's Lloyd. Lloyd, yeah. He's put together, but he seems like almost an automaton to me. He smiles, and he's like, oh, Mr.,
0: uh, Torrance.
1: Torrance. Mr. Torrance. Like, what can I get for you today? And Jack is like... He is clearly off his rocker. He's smiling, like, got way too much teeth in his grin. And he's like, wow, it's your dead tonight. Well, isn't
0: that just Jack Nicholson?
1: Yeah, that might just be Jack Nicholson. But he's acting like he comes here often. This is supposed to be some sort of busy bar. He's like, oh, um, I've been holding this money. I've been holding this cash in my pocket. I want, like, bourbon on the rocks. Ingram serves it to him. He chugs it down. He opens his wallet. There's no money. He puts it back. He's like, "Can I have a tab, how's my tab here?" And Ingram says, "You have a wonderful tab here,
0: Lloyd. I don't know where you're getting Ingram." I
1: have no idea either. But Lloyd says, "Oh no, your your tabs, you know, fine here, sir." So he's just kind of sitting there drinking. And then we see from like facing Jack, we see coming through the door Wendy. She's holding a baseball bat and she looks visibly upset.
0: When she comes into the room too, it's important to notice the glass of alcohol that Jack just downed is gone. There's yeah. no glass and the fully stocked bar is also gone as well as Lloyd.
1: Yeah, no. So she just runs up to Jack and is like, "Jack, Jack, there's someone in the there's someone else in the hotel. Danny told me that that this strange woman strangled him in room 237
0: she never even says the room he just asks what room and we cut to 237
1: oh oh yeah then uh yeah we, so we cut to 237 and he wanders into this from my appearance this looks like a very well furbished room he wanders in and he sees that the, like the bathroom door is like open yeah and he's wandering in and then we also get a cut scene too. <laughs> <laughs> we get a cutscene scene to uh, a certain uh, picture of a <laughs> naked woman and then it pans out and hey guess what it is dick hollering dick hollering love the dude he's just like you know he's like laying in bed watching tv and then his like chin kind of tips back and his eyes start to glaze and then we also cut to Danny, like, sitting in bed, foaming at the mouth?
0: He looks like he's having a seizure to me, too. Yeah. So, shining to the extent he's shining does not look like it's comfortable. And another thing I'm sad we missed out on is Danny actually talked to Dick in his mind in the book. Oh. And Dick just said, give me the strongest blast you can. Danny holds back and it almost knocked Dick hollering out. So when he left, he told, like, hey, if you're ever in danger or need me, just shout as loud as you can, and I will most likely hear you from Florida.
1: Jesus, yeah. So uh, so it is later on in the movie, at least, we do understand how powerful Danny is. For right now, we just know that Dick is clearly getting some sort of message from Danny. He gets up, he... Wanders into his living room and he is trying to call the Overlook Hotel. And then we cut back to, uh, yeah, we get a cutback scene to to room 237 where Jack is wandering the room. And then he walks into the bathroom. And uh, there's clearly like half of the curtain has been drawn and there's someone on the other side. And the curtain is pulled back.
0: And we see this like beautiful naked woman in the hot tub stand up. And Grace is unnerved by her oh, presence.
1: God. Okay, the way she moves, I thought she was going to be an alien or something like that. I don't... Okay, I don't know why. I don't know what was wrong. Maybe it was the way her hair was slicked back or the way she was completely expressionist. But the way she steps out of the bathtub and wanders closer, just the way her shoulders move, I was thoroughly terrified. If I saw this lady just wandering my house... I would burn that house to the ground and run.
0: Would you say this is a fair assessment of a lot of the ghosts of the Overlook Hotel that they have almost a reptilian like evil to them?
1: They do. I mean, again, I wouldn't go with like reptilian evil, more like automaton. Like this sort of doll like fake reality that's just kind of what is that one phrase? Like, Silicon valley? valley? Uncanny Valley. That, uncanny. That kind of uncanny valley where it's just... woof. They like,
0: feel real, but something's off.
1: Yeah. They, if it looks real. looks like you could touch it, but feels wrong. And Jack apparently does not get that. Because he, like, smiles that weird fucking smile of his. He wants
0: to bone.
1: He really does. He walks right up to her, starts kissing her, starts making out. And then he opens his eyes... And you can see the reflection of them in the mirror behind, which honestly, again, there's that very, we like, there's this kind of theme throughout the entire movie of these reflections and how they, like, reveal the truth or whatever. She's actually not the beautiful young woman she appears to be. She is actually...
0: A bloated, old, um, hag-like woman.
1: Yeah, clearly, like, rotting, bloated flesh. He freaks out and, like, runs from the room. We kind of get another cutscene to like Wendy in her room, kind of just like huddled in, trying to like talk to like Danny, but Danny's saying that Tony's saying that Danny's gone for right now, that you know, he's not there. And of course, there's like the knock on the door, right? Because I'm pretty sure Wendy had locked the door because she just thought there was like an intruder in the hotel.
0: You know, it makes sense that they state that Wendy is a horror fan. Because she exhibits a lot of final girl attitude. I'm going to lock the door. I'm going to arm myself up and not drop this weapon.
1: No, honestly, for how clearly scared out of her fucking mind Wendy is, she does a great job of fending off a serial killer. Like, she does all the right shit, all right? Like, so she hears... she So when she thought there was someone else in the hotel, she, of course, locked her and her son in this room, right? She gets to knock. She opens the door. It's Jack. She walks upstairs. And she
0: goes right to gaslighting
1: her. Oh, yeah, no, Because she's like, oh, did you see anyone? Did you see anyone? And he's like, no. Well, you know, Danny might have done this to himself. And then she's like, well, maybe we should take him to, like, a hospital. Maybe we should get him out of the hotel. And Jack just fucking tears into her. I mean, it's probably because, you know, the ghosts have possessed him and he shouldn't leave the hotel. But he fucking just tears into her he calls her like oh god what is it that she's continually ruined his life yes that she's just messed up everything that he's ever done that she just doesn't understand like the responsibilities that he has that she's just worthless wendy's clearly just kind of broken by this and jack gets up and storms out the door where does he storm back to by any chance?
0: The gold room.
1: The gold room. He walks in.
0: And this time it is packed. Yeah. The ghosts are all over this room and it is busy, it is popping. I want to be at this party.
1: Yeah, I thought it was like some sort of like New Year's Eve like party. There's like, there's, what was it? Balloons, so, like champagne glasses.
0: Again, in the book, uh, it was. I think they were referencing Edgar Allan Poe because they were having a masquerade in the theme of the Red Death, I believe. Oh, Jesus. The Mask of the Red Death, I believe it is. And it was a New Year's party, too. So everyone was wearing masks, supposed to drop the masks at midnight and hurrah. Yeah. So in the book, there's this theme that at midnight, you will drop your mask. And that through the book, Jack slowly becomes this mask for the hotel to wear.
1: Yeah, it's whatever the reason it is. He wanders into this party and he's not startled or unnerved. He walks right in like he belongs there. He walks right up to the bar counter again, says hello to, I'm going to say the name wrong. You got to help me out. Lloyd. Lloyd, thank you. I don't know why I want to keep calling him Ingram. But anyway, he walks (laughs) up to the bar. um, He takes out his wallet to pay for his alcohol. And your
0: money's no good here, sir.
1: Yeah, no. He says that the that his bar tab or whatever has already been covered
0: by the house.
1: Yeah. And of course, like, at first, Jack is like, well, I want to know who's buying me drinks. But then he nods it off. He takes his, you know, alcohol. He starts, he gets up from the bar to, like, wander around. And he accidentally bumps into one of the servers there, one of the waiters. The waiter comes in, spills alcohol on him. On him and it's like, hey, can I take you back to the gentleman's room? I want to, like, you know, get some water on that, clear you up. And, you know, Jack seems like, oh, yeah, no, fine. Yeah. That's I think
0: this scene... Was Kubrick's biggest mistake from changing it? Oh. Because Grady just cleans Jack up there and asks the questions, and the ghosts in the background all pay attention to Jack's answers. Ooh. And I think that would have been cinematically a much more powerful scene than being taken to this bathroom. And like, it's almost word for word what Grady yeah. and Jack say from the book to the yeah. movie. So, you know, a whole round of applause to Kubrick for that, but at the same time, just think about that how much have been... more unnerving that scene would have been just watching all those people look at Jack for his answers.
1: Yeah, that would have been terrifying. Maybe why they changed it to the bathrooms is because, again, the whole reflection in the mirror kind of thing because they're sort of, honestly these bathrooms the bathrooms were red and white they look these bathrooms looked creepy to me
0: we're I, taken to the bathroom we're taken
1: to the bathroom i can't remember his name grady great thank you he's not introduced at first he's just trying to clear jack up and then he introduced himself as mr grady and jack's like oh you used to be you used to be the caretaker here before me And Mr. Grady's like, no, 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 no. I'm not the caretaker.
0: You've always been the caretaker, Mr. Torrance.
1: Yeah, but then Jack's like, no, I remember I read a newspaper article about you. You killed your wife and kids, didn't you? And at that moment, I was like, why does he know this? He was supposed to find out from the owner of the hotel, but now he's revealing the fact that he found, he had read about it probably years ago in the newspaper well, that's... But why did he react like he'd first heard of it from the owner? Anyway, at that point in time, I was like, that's weird. That's suspicious. No, Dr. Gr- um, Mr. Grady's like, no, 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 no. I've never been the caretaker. But then he starts talking about how how Danny has contacted another force. And then. Get to some questionable moments with this words. is
0: actually word for word what King used in his book too because uh Grady drops the racial slur for African people yeah black Americans but
1: but yeah you, you know the word we're not gonna repeat it we are far too white I'm sorry <laughs> I'm I'm white as the driven snow I do would definitely not feel comfortable saying that word so it's just he says some racial slurs, is bad. But he says Danny has been w- a he uses I think he a even, naughty little boy? Yeah, he uses the he uses the phrase naughty boy, and then Jack says back, well he has always been willful. And then Jack kind of like leans forward a little bit, makes contact eye contact with a Mr. Grady and says, Well, I mean, it's my wife's fault. She always interferes. And I'm like, oh god, ass Ugh. And then, oh, God, what did, he, God, what he did starts, Jack call? Her? He, Jack called his wife something, Hor, I think he called her, like.
0: A sperm bank.
1: A sp- yeah. Yeah, the old sperm bank upstairs. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, that is not okay. In
0: this scene, he calls her a sperm bank and a bitch. Yeah. And not in the loving, like, uh, I love you, bitch, but in, like, the hard, you are a bitch.
1: Yeah, no, like, very derogatory term there, which is not good. And Mr. Grady's like, oh, I totally understand. My kids, my two little girls, tried to burn down the hotel, and I had to correct them. My wife tried to stop me, so I had to correct her, too. And...
0: And by this, he's obviously talking about Axe murdering his family.
1: Yeah. and, And Jack is just like nodding along like, yeah, you know, you're totally right. I should do something about this. And so he walks out. He is wandering in this vacant, empty hotel. And he comes across the radio, which is like, hey, coming through, coming through, over. We're trying to get in contact.
0: And that's because Dick Holloran contacted the Forest Rangers to contact the Torrances to make sure they were okay.
1: Yeah, no, because, you know, Danny contacted me. Something is clearly going to get down at the hotel. I'm trying to contact them. So the Rangers are like, yeah, we'll send a radio. Like, we'll try to radio them. And Jack walks up, opens up the radio box, and, like, takes a few of the spark plugs, I think, and just pockets them. And I'm like, oh, that's. That's sketchy as all hell.
0: In the book, he just straights up destroys it.
1: Oh, well. In this he only takes a few of the spark plugs. And then we kind of get we we kind of get another cut back to um Dick Horrant where, you know, he contacts the Ranger Station again. They're like, Nope, sorry, can't get in contact and Dick's like, Well, I guess I gotta take this into my own hands, guys. And he fucking buys a plane ticket. This man honestly is doing so much. He met this kid once for like two seconds and he's like, Nope. Making sure this kid is staying safe. So he buys a plane ticket from Florida to Denver, Colorado. And then once he, and then when he touches down, he also contacts one of his friends that lives there and says, oh, you know, that, uh, that, uh, old handyman we, uh, you know, got to look over the place. He's just not doing his job right, so I gotta, you know, go up there and fix things. His friend buys the cover story and lends him one of the snow cats, I think. Yeah, lends him one of the snow cats. And then we again cut back to Wendy. Wendy has kind of re picked up she's she's kind of just in her like, she's in bed. She's in bed, kind of just lying there. And then we see Danny get up out of his bed and he's just kind of I he sees in a vision red rum, right? So then he starts, he gets up and he's kind of just wandering around their apartments saying red rum, red rum. But it's not, it's not Danny. It's Tony. It's Tony. Tony who keeps saying red rum, red rum, red rum, walks up, grabs the knife. Oh wait, shit, no, I'm skipping ahead. I forgot. No, what happens first, I'm pretty sure, is that Wendy goes looking for Jack, Tony and or Danny gets a vision of Red Rum, and then Wendy goes looking for Jack, and she wanders into that stupid fucking main hall that like Jack barred her from the
0: the office, obviously.
1: It's a giant, it's fucking, it's the living room of the entire hotel.
0: Uh, no, no, no. It's a work office. Whatever. Smallest room.
1: She's, cause she, cause he hasn't been back for a while, right? Jack has not been back up to visit them for a while. So she goes looking for him and she's wandering around and she sees his typewriter and like pile of papers. She walks over. She's also holding a baseball bat, right? Cause she hasn't, cause again, she knows what's up. She knows that something is wrong and that she's just. And because, oh God, I remember too, because she'd been pacing, trying to like, kind of trying to like pump herself up. She was like, okay, you know what you're going to do? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to radio the ranger station. You're going to, you're going to tell him you're coming down and then you're going to get in that snowcat and you're going to go down that mountain and you're going to get Danny to a doctor. And if, and if Jack, and if Jack doesn't say, doesn't agree to come with, then you're just going to leave him. And you're just going to go down here by yourself. And I was cheering Wendy on. I'm like, I'm so proud of you, Wendy. You got this. And so she goes to find Jack to tell him that they're going to head down the mountain. And so she wanders into that stupid fucking hall. And she sees his typewriter. And so she goes over to read it, right? And all it says is...
0: All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy over and and over. over.
1: And it's like in different fonts, too. Want
0: to know the best part? Yep. They actually typed every piece of page in that pile with Jeez. those texts. So it wouldn't matter what page Shelly Duval grabbed. No matter what, it was said that and not all of them were used. So that poor, poor a uh, guy who worked on that set that day who had to type that out Ugh. page after and page and it wasn't even page. the same
1: thing it wasn't even just saying the same phrase over and over because they were they were it was um split into different things so some it looked to be written like poetry others by clear paragraphs others while, where if you were like in a play and it'd be from different actors perspectives but it was the same phrase over and over and over again so she's clearly freaked out she Here's movement behind her, and it's, of course, Jack. And he has this weird fucking smile on his face. He's
0: gone. Yeah. Jack is gone.
1: Jack, he is way too happy. He wanders up, and she backpedals. Like, she is. she's clear, clear six-foot distance between her and Jack at all times. And he wanders up, and he's just kind of tapping on the table. Like, what did you want to talk about? And she's like, well, I, I came down here to talk to you about something. And he's like, really? She's like, she's clearly freaked out. And she's like, yeah, I-, I did. And he's like, was it about Danny? And she's like, yeah, I think Danny needs a doctor. And he's like, because you care about Danny. And she's like, yeah, know I care. And and he's like, do you care about me? And she's like, yeah, of course. And she's like sobbing. And he's just backing her up step by step. Eventually, though, he's like, he tries to get closer. And she's like, you stay back. And so- I-, I was trying to, like, coach her through this. I'm like, okay, okay, Wendy. The little swipes aren't going to do anything with the baseball bat. You need to, like, pick see, it up better.
0: You see her terror yeah. in this scene? Do you know how many takes they did of this scene? Because that was not fake terror. 127 takes.
1: Jesus fucking Christ! Because
0: Kubrick didn't think she was scared enough. So he kept doing more and more takes.
1: Jesus! hundred and twenty takes?
0: hundred and
1: twenty-seven. Fuck, I'd just call it quits then and there. I'd be like, fuck no. We're, we're rescheduling this for another day.
0: After this movie, Shelley Duvall took a leave of absence from acting altogether. And at that time, she was playing a lot of sweetheart roles. Yeah. In just regular TV shows. Yeah. So, it really upsetting to know how badly Kubrick treats her
1: god yeah and
0: listeners if you hear weird noises in the background that is my cat snoring
1: it is pretty fucking adorable
0: anyways anyway he's backing uh wendy up, up these flight of stairs and like grace said she's weakly swinging at yeah him. she's
1: just trying to keep him at a distance and then he fully admits that he wants to bash her skull in and uh,
0: i'm he- not gonna hurt you I'm just going to bash your fucking brains in.
1: Yeah, no. And she's clearly like, you stay back. You don't touch me. And he keeps wandering up. And I'm like, Wendy, you got this. You have the high ground, Wendy. You have this. And eventually she kind of gets to the top of the stairs. And he tries to make a grab at the bat, And Wendy just... Swings up and fucking conks him on the head. She
0: hits his hand first when he goes to grab for it. Yeah. Which distracts him long enough for her to get that conquer of a headshot.
1: Yeah, and then he rolls down the stairs. And then after that, we cut to him, like, arms above his head being dragged across the floor. Because Wendy, Wendy knows what the fuck she's doing, all right? She is dragging his body into the kitchen. Why? Because those pantry doors lock from the outside. So she's dragging his body. She's trying, and as she's trying to get the door open, he's clearly trying to recover. And she she manages to open the door. She's dragging him in. And he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, nope, nope, not doing this. this. She runs out of the room. She shuts the door. She locks it. And then he's trying to bang on the other side. Like, Wendy, you open this fucking door. Wendy, if you open this door, I'll let you go. We'll forget this like nothing happened. She's Clearly having a breakdown, and she again, smart move with Wendy. She grabs one of the knives that is hanging up um in the kitchen and she tells him, She's like, nope, me and Danny were we're leaving, we're not gonna stay here anymore. And Jack starts to laugh.
0: Because, because- he sabotaged the snow cat.
1: Yep. Yeah, she runs outside and the snow cat, the entire like battery i think
0: an important part of the engine and neither of us are mechanics so please let us know what the fuck he sabotaged because i don't know in the book he sabotaged specifically the battery that went to the snowcat yeah by throwing it into the snow but in the movie we got a piece of the snowcat that is obviously ripped out yeah. And damage beyond repair.
1: Yeah, like it's been clearly cut and severed. I mean, I bet if you maybe stripped the lot, like wines and like re you know tie the wires, it'd probably work again. I have no idea how to do that, and I don't think Wendy does either because she she's like, well, fuck, shit. So she takes her knife. Good job for you, Wendy. You didn't let it drop. She walks upstairs. She locks her her door to the room because she's like, okay, Jack is downstairs. He's he's locked in, and he's. He's got food, he's got drinks, he's not going to starve anytime soon.
0: She's it's, basically making it so you'll have to find a corner if you need a go-bathroom, but you got all the food you'll need. Yeah,
1: he he has everything he needs to, like, survive for a while until she figures something out because, you know, she goes to check the radio and, you know, clearly the radio's been tampered with. So she goes upstairs, she just, she's just going to have a power nap, and then she's going to reconsider some things.
0: And this is where the red rum scene yeah, comes in.
1: Yeah, no, then we get... Danny, or sorry, Tony, pacing about, talking about red rum, then he grabs the knife off her, I don't know, like a little side table?
0: It's a side table.
1: Yeah, like a side table. And he's walking around the room, just kept murmuring, red rum, red rum, red rum. And I'm like, is this about his dad's alcoholism? I am very confused until he grabs lipstick from, like, his mom's, like, you know, like, you know, desk, and then he writes on one of the... On he writes on the bathroom door red rum and then
0: <laughs> okay you are looking at this and you're like man he's spelling really great wait that letter's backwards wait that letter's backwards and honestly it surprised me because we watched this with subtitles yeah that you never read it backwards
1: i'm shit at spelling my dude i would i cannot spell to save my life I don't even know what letters mean, all right? All <laughs> I see as he's going red rum and rum, I'm like, maybe this is a, a tie to his tragic backstory with his dad and alcoholism. What the fuck do I know, right? But anyway, his mom eventually wakes up and is like, why are you holding a knife, kid? You need to, like, calm down, reconsider some things. And then we see in the reflection that red rum actually means murder. 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 Yeah, that's what Tony's trying to tell Danny. But anyway, we also cut back to... Jack, who is just lying in a couple rice bags, he clearly has, like, an open pack of, like, Oreos and peanuts. This guy
0: eats like a pig. There is a mess in this room.
1: Yeah, he's clearly already been feasting a little bit, and he hears a knock at the door. Right? It's not Wendy. It's, uh... Grady. Yeah, it's Grady. He's (laughs) back. (coughs) Isn't everybody happy about that? So Jack walks up to the door, and... Grady's like, I don't know, man. We we told you that your wife needed to be taken care of and that Danny needed like a strong handling. You haven't done this. How could I trust you if I release you that you will still pull through?
0: He even gave Wendy some credit like your wife is more resourceful than we expected. Yeah.
1: And, and, and you know, Jack's like, no, 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 she isn't. She just got like a lead start or something like that. And Grady's like, you got what it takes to finish the job, and Jack's like, nothing would make me happier. And I'm like, oh. But anyway, yeah, he's like, you got what it takes to finish the job, and Jack's like, nothing would make me happier. And I'm like, oh, that's uh, that's not good. <gasps> Apparently, ghosts can now uh, open doors.
0: Well, you know, it's like Dick howren said, the Overlook Hotel has the shine. The drinks were on the house, and I think the drinks were a means to possess Jack.
1: Oh, I didn't clue that in, but yeah, no, that's...
0: That's always a reading I've personally had.
1: And honestly, isn't that, like, the one thing is that if you ever go to, like, the Underworld, you're not supposed to eat or drink anything. If you go to, like, the, the Feywild, you're not supposed to eat or drink anything because that traps you there.
0: Well, it... I don't know if they quote this in the movie or the book, but it's... A man takes a drink, the drink takes a drink, and the drink takes a man.
1: Well...
0: Alcoholism. <laughs>
1: yeah! I <laughs> Love that. Oh, God, Beth. Yeah, maybe this is all metaphor for alcoholism. I have no fucking clue. So, Jack is now free and Lewis on the hotel. And as, you know, Wendy is clutching to Danny, you know, like... She's again smartly still kept that door locked. And she hears someone and eventually though she hears jack marching up towards the door and then i i thought this was a fun fact but jack now has an axe like a proper like fire alarm axe and he starts hacking at the door
0: so jack nicholson the actor who plays jack torrance used to be a firefighter and i was telling grace about this because they had to reinforce the doors that he chops through because he did it too fast
1: yeah because like so he starts chopping down the first door right you know wendy sees that it's like oh fuck she picks danny up runs into the bathroom locks that bathroom door as well then tries to get the bathroom window door open because the snow is piled up so much outside that it's like a little slide so she opens the win- like the bathroom window door gets danny out smart decision again wendy and then tries to go herself She's too. The door, the window though, is frozen, and she can't for, force herself out. Thing is though, she tells Danny to run, right? So Danny takes off, and then gas is fucking coming up the mountain, man.
0: Dick Halloran.
1: Dick Halloran, man. He's he's in a he's in the second he's in another snowcat, and he's coming up the mountain, man, because he's he's gonna fucking rescue Danny, right? True hero, all right. Give him all the credit. He's you know coming up the mountain, and Jesus. As Wendy kind of goes, like, to, you know, where, like, the door to the bathroom is, she kind of, like, tucks into, like, the side of the door, like, to probably try and, like, ambush Jack if he makes it through. Honestly, again, like, good for Wendy being like, okay, I can't make it out of this, that window, so if I'm going down, I'm going down fighting. I can respect that, alright? But anyway, Jack is, like, just fucking tearing through this door still. Even if it's re- reinforced, that is little impressive, and he says, he puts his face through and is like, here's Johnny!
0: There's the money shot.
1: Yeah, And then he tries to reach his hand through to unlock the door. Wendy goes at him with a knife, cuts his hand, he, you know, leans back, tries to go again for the axe, and then they both hear the snowcat reach the hotel. And Jack's like, who the fuck is, you know, arriving? He doesn't
0: say this, but you can see it on his face and he leaves Wendy to find this intruder.
1: So uh, he goes downstairs. God, and this this scene always will like crush me just a little bit. So, you know, Danny, um, he's in the hotel again. He decides to like hide somewhere. Poor, poor Dick, Dick Holleran enters the hotel, is walking around. Cause he, he knows Danny's in trouble, but he doesn't know anything else that's going on. So he just enters the hotel. He's clearly calling out, like, "Is anyone there? Does anyone need help?" And okay, uh, this got me; it really did, because we know, we know, we saw Jack walking around. We saw Dick, you know, Hollerant walking around as well. Dick Holland's just like walking around, trying to look, trying to look.
0: Out from around the corner, Jack fucking comes like a
1: daisy, just pops out of nowhere and just fucking takes a sec and swings it. Because we've seen him. What he can do to a door, he swings that act directly into, like, Dick Holland's chest. And it just goes all the way in. Like, he clearly crunched through bone, lung, and heart, most likely. And Dick's just dead. But, again, Dick has, again, the shine to him. He's psychic. So, when he dies, Danny feels it. And Danny, where he's hiding... Is right there Yeah, yeah he's like farther down the hall like a little off to the left and he feels dick die so he screams and good old jack of course here's his kid so he starts limping after down the hallway and danny just hops out of his little hiding spot and fucking takes off down the hall and then we cut to wendy in the bathroom, she clearly sees that Jack's gone, and so she's looking now for Danny. She opens the door, she's running downstairs, she's looking for Danny.
0: And she starts uh, encountering the ghosts yeah. all around. The dog performing fellatio. Uh, she, uh, I thought it was
1: a teddy bear at first. I don't know what's going on with this so, hotel. So,
0: little Insight, the guy getting head from the dog was one of the original owners of the Overlook Hotel, And he was degrading the person as a dog, saying uh, something along the lines of, like, I'll respect you, or you'll get a bonus if you do this. That type of thing when that happened originally.
1: Oh, that's Um, so sleazy.
0: It's pretty sleazy, but (sighs) basically he makes this guy dress up and act like a dog for public humiliation. And this dog even terrorizes Danny specifically in the book. Oh. So... It's good to see the nod to the dog, but it could have been used more in the movie.
1: Yeah, um, it was a little it, jarring just to get that scene, and then no, and then we just run past it. I'm like, wait, what the fuck was that? We what? Get
0: another guy covered in blood, going, "Great party, isn't it?" Yeah. And Wendy's finally just encountering all the ghosts.
1: Yeah, because again, she hasn't been hearing the soundtrack. She hasn't been picking up on how haunted this hotel is until tonight she's running around she runs into the main hall and it's covered in cobwebs she blinks and it's now full of skeletons and then we cut to danny who's running out of the hotel he tries to hide behind a lamppost but jack is hot on his heels and he runs out as well he turns
0: on all the outdoor lights first
1: oh yeah so he can better see danny and then danny of course books it into the maze. Danny is like running through the maze just like you know helter skelter as fast as he can. Jack he's injured so he's limping but he's still moving along and he looks down and he sees the footprints clearly in this snow because remember blizzard. So he sees these these fresh fallen footsteps so he starts following the footsteps and I'm like oh no. Danny.
0: Grace was literally covering their face during this I scene. was.
1: I was hiding. But, okay, honestly, Danny was brilliant during this. Because what he does is he starts... He walks to a certain point, and then he starts walking backwards. He went
0: to the center of the maze, specifically. Really? So Danny ran through that maze in probably 20, 30 minutes. Walked backwards, covered his tracks... For his dad to be at the center of the maze to easily ditch his dad in the maze to retrace the tracks that they both made going in.
1: Yeah, fucking brilliant work. Like, he, he, you can clearly see, like, the kid kind of toddling back, and then once he reaches a certain point, he jumps off to the side and then covers those and then hides behind a hedge. And then you just see Jack running ahead, blazing ahead, eventually does stop and realize there's no footprints in front of him, but he's, he's stupid. So he <laughs> so he keeps running on, trying to find Danny, but Danny's again retracing the footsteps. And God, Wendy, coming for the rescue, rushes out of the hotel, is looking around, screaming for Danny. Danny runs out of the maze, and then Wendy, again, so smart, grabs Danny, gets in the snowcat, starts it up, and we see... Jack in the maze, he hears the snowcat start.
0: You were so worried Jack was going to catch up. And Wendy, at this point, did drop her knife, finally.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think it was to drive. Like, she drops it to grab Danny, get him in the car, or snowcat, sorry, and, like, turn it on and start driving. So she's down a weapon. She's in the snowcat. They're going up. They're kind of going up over this hill. And we kind of just see Jack just screaming in the maze
0: incoherently.
1: Yeah, it's not about anything. He's just screaming because he can't find his way out of the maze. And he, and I don't, honestly, the snow cat's slow, but he's he's limping. I do not think even if he got out of the maze that second that he'd be able to catch up. So he's he clearly knows he's like, kind of lost it. He's lost the game. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Anyway, moving on. He kind of just sits down, and then we just get a snapshot later on of him frozen to death. He froze to death in that maze.
0: Yes, because of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's hypothermia.
1: Yeah, yeah, that it's his hypothermia. And then we get this kind of cut to the, there's this nice little, like, lot of music, and we cut to the hotel, and we cut to these pictures that are at the wall that are of these, like, shining moments of the hotel, like, really, like, oh, wow, like, there was an incredible party, an incredible event, something very important happened here, and we get a... It was actually a July 4th party, I think, was? A July 4th party back in 1907, something like that?
0: 1902, I think.
1: 1902. The year
0: the hotel was finished.
1: Yeah, the year the hotel was finished, so way before, you know, the, the Torrences arrive... And guess who we see in that picture at the forefront? Jack. Yeah, I have no idea how that clues into anything. I'm not sure if this is just a lookalike or...
0: He's always been the caretaker.
1: Always been the caretaker, I guess.
0: So either this implies that... Through becoming possessed by the hotel, he then becomes a part of the hotel's history. Yeah. Or that there is reincarnation in this universe. Yeah. And your spirit will always come back.
1: And probably always die there, too, I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. one of two routes and both are equally disturbing, I feel. Yeah. So major things that are different. Dick Holleran survives the book. Oh, nice. In the end, it's him, Wendy, and Danny all relaxing in Florida together.
1: Oh, why couldn't we have that ending? Ah, man.
0: The weapon of choice Jack had in the book was a roke mallet. Do you know what roke is? Nope. It's basically croquet, but it's not because it's got a hard and a soft end on the mallet. And that's what Jack was using to assault people. So that's how Dick survived. Jack beat his face in, in the book, knocking teeth out, knocking, you know, this guy out. And saw he was dead, so just moved on to the next target. He damaged Wendy's spine severely with it and just about killed her. But she kept running because she was resourceful. She stabbed him in the side. Jesus. Like, they fought Jack tooth and nail in the book.
1: Um, and
0: Danny never... There was no hedge maze in the book. There were hedge animals that... You know the Weeping Angels from Doctor Who? Yeah. Imagine that, but hedge animals. So they would slowly stalk to attack and hurt people. Yeah. yeah. When Dick Holloran was coming up to Overlook Hotel, the hotel itself was mentally attacking Dick Holleran using the racial slur that Grady used earlier. And, like, it's so jarring to read that in a book, honestly. Y- yeah. Because I personally want to just turn past that as fast as possible. But at the same time, I think it's important to acknowledge there are actual people like that in the world that are going to bring race into it at all points of time. The book... Really brutalized and almost the hotel almost possessed Dick Holleran, he almost took a rope mallet and picked up where Jack left off and Do you know where Jack left off? He no. didn't freeze to death in the book. in fact, the hotel had him bash his own face and practically killing him with the rope mallet just to lift the mask in front of Danny. He did that in front of Danny in the book it's Jesus. like. This poor kid is going to be scarred for life. Oh my God. And two, he forgot to dump the boiler. Uh. So the hotel explodes at the end of the book.
1: Oh Jesus.
0: And that's how Jack Torrance dies. He dies in the explosion.
1: And then that's why everyone gets away safe is because the hotel's been destroyed.
0: Yeah, well, even while they're still on the property... Like, the hotel is burning when Dick Halloran almost gets possessed. Yeah. Like, has to literally fight a possession. Yeah. And he's only in there to get blankets for Wendy and Danny. Because Wendy, in the end of the book, like, when they're in Florida, is in a back brace. Because that's how bad Jack beat her. She had broken ribs. Some of her spine was broken. Like.
1: Oh, Jesus.
0: The book brutalize their characters a bit more
1: yeah like granted wendy is again definitely scarred for life clearly terrified out of her mind but besides like the mental abuse she suffers from jack she hasn't really been harmed so much
0: and what's really depressing about the difference is jack loved wendy in the book
1: oh yeah that is clear difference the entire movie he degrades her i mean Like, you know, he does, it It definitely gets worse when he stays at the hotel, but there's clearly always kind of this dismissive attitude towards his wife.
0: When I first started this podcast, it was one of my goals to be able to compare a lot of the media each movie we covered was about. So like, if there was a book, I wanted to read the book, watch the movie and do all of it. But there's just not enough time to always do that. So I'm really happy I was able to bring the book to this conversation. Yeah. Because there's a lot more insight you get on certain characters. Yeah. Like,
1: Jack did not have a backstory in this. He had apparently once been a teacher, and then now he's just kind of doing odd jobs. Um, which he resented. Because he, he, again, says to Wendy at one point in time, like, do you just want me to wash cars on the side of the road? Is this what you want? There's no tragic backstory for Jack in this movie. He appears at first to kind of just be an average man. And then he seems to be just an asshole to his wife.
0: Jack starts probably at a four on the scale of crazy and slowly cranks up to 10. Jack Nicholson, I feel like, starts at eight with his impersonation of Jack. Oh, yeah. And just cranks it to 11.
1: Yeah, no. Like, God... It's this smile he has that has just way too many teeth in it to be honestly friendly. And even on, like, the car ride up, before they actually even stay at the hotel, he talks about cannibalism. They're driving on the way up, and he mentions, what was it, the Donovan event or something like that?
0: The Dahmer party, I think. Yeah, the
1: Dahmer party. And when he tries to, like, wave it under the bus, like, oh, you don't want to hear about that. Because, like, you know, there's, a. four-year-old in the car or something like that. And Danny's like, oh, what's that? And he then Jackson says straight up, oh, yeah, it's where they ate each other, kid. Fuck yeah, let's eat some people. And it's like, Jesus, all right. Don't worry, Mom,
0: I saw it on the television. Yeah, he saw it on the television.
1: Wendy. Uh, yeah, (laughs) no. So he, even before he was even staying at the hotel, you could get the vibe that he was an asshole and that he was slightly psychotic. And then he stays at the hotel and it just fucking loses all. He, he goes off way off the tracks.
0: So we've already kind of covered the soundtrack and sound design because it is impeccable, honestly.
1: It, it is deeply unnerving. It's fucking terrifying. They do a really good job with the soundtrack.
0: And like every time I watch this movie, I get a different feeling from it. Yeah. Sometimes I'm more disturbed. Sometimes I feel like, physically cold watching this movie. I really appreciate the beauty of The Shining because it is well-made as a movie, like, from start to finish, despite its differences from the book. I understand why King doesn't like it. There are now things with knowledge from the book that make me like it a little less, but that does not take away the fact that this is a solid movie.
1: It really is. It is beautiful. Like, again, I don't know if I'll ever rewatch this movie i'm definitely never seeing it alone but it is it is real it is really well made the actors do like a brilliant job even danny like this tiny kid actor does like a pretty solid job
0: so danny lloyd who plays danny torrance actually uh i believe did not like this movie for years really because kubrick was really careful to not reveal that was a horror movie to that actor so a lot of those scenes where you see Danny reacting alone, yeah. the horror that we see as an audience, that actor does not see. Huh. So it's real. I-, I want to see like his full perspective of the movie, like yeah. just I I want to see behind scenes just following Danny right. and the lack of horror that's around him. That way, when you compare that to the real movie, it's like oh. This is why he hates it.
1: Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. No, that would have probably been deeply upsetting to me, too. Yeah. Ew.
0: And there's not a lot of gore in this. There is blood, but like buckets of blood. But there's not real like gore. Like even with Dick Halloran, when he gets the axe to the chest, you see the axe hit the chest. You see a little bit of red. And when we find his corpse later, his chest is Way bloodier than a wound like that should be, but you don't see, like, guts or gore or exactly. anything like that. Like,
1: even when, I won't put in tight, Danny is, uh, you know, on his little tricycle and he sees the two girls, and he also sees them dead, you see two bodies and a whole shit ton of blood, but that's it.
0: Yeah, you see and- It happens so quick that you might not even see the blood.
1: Exactly. It's like, is that a red carpet or is that blood? It's only when it kind of flashes back and forth that you can like, oh, there's clearly blood. You have that one vision that he continually has of this, like that, that torrent of blood. But it looks so much like it doesn't have the same viscosity that true blood does. It's clearly, it looks like wine to me more than blood. So it's like there is, there's blood, but there's not so much gore. Yeah. But uh, where this movie excels is building tension.
0: Like, this is what we really love to call powder cake, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, you see the flame going towards that explosion the entire movie. Oh, God, yeah. And once it gets to that explosion, you're there for it.
1: And I think that's what all horror movies... At least... The ones that we have watched have tried to do, like with Carrie, where you see her slowly start to slip and, you know, you see kind of like this momentum burning. So it's like in a lot of horror movies, you do still get that effect of that kind of building of tension. So or that building of like fear or like, you know, like that, that bad feeling, you know, something's going to go wrong and you're just waiting for that shoe to drop. You're just waiting for that caterpillar to explode. And this movie just does such a good job of that.
0: This is one of those movies where, like, even people that aren't into horror love this movie. Yeah. It's because movie. it's just a well-made movie.
1: But it is also deeply terrifying and deeply unsettling. I would not recommend watching this movie alone. I mean, I would recommend watching any horror movie alone. I know I'm going to hug my cast tonight and maybe cry a little.
0: <laughs> Speaking uh- of crying a little bit and... Just the general terror. Yeah. Nothing's really changed on our body count. Yeah. We still have 66 people burned alive. Three people for the honorable second mention with their throat slit. My favorite is still the axe to the face. And Grace's favorite is still the garage door.
1: It's just funny. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I mean, don't be sorry that a funny kills your favorite kill.
1: It's just like you know what like the axe to the chest that got me i screamed like when that happened in this movie i screamed that honest to god got me
0: it's a good jump scare it's it an effective jump scare. it is
1: definitely and it the brutality of it again is so it's like you know jack is trying to kill his wife and kid but jesus when he just swings that axe like he swung it through that door and dick just goes down not even a gasp not even like a oh i'm dying just dead
0: our next movie is going to be Hereditary.
1: Oh, that's a newer film, right?
0: I believe this was released in 2018. And this is to give you an idea of where horror has come. And
1: I don't know if I want to do this. I almost sounds scary.
0: <laughs> it will be scary. I'm sorry to point that out. But Grace is not going to have the best time next week. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to make Grace comfortable.
1: I'll watch her authority from some mac and cheese.
0: All right, we we have it settled. <laughs> mac and cheese is the selling point for some <laughs> hardcore horror. Yeah. Until next time. Yeah. This is Bodies by the Numbers.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Bodies by the Numbers, a horror podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Bodies by the Numbers pod, Twitter at Bodies Numbers, and our email address is Bodies by the Numbers pod at gmail.com. We hope to see you again next time.